As a free, not-for-profit service, Cradio requires the support of people like you to help keep us going in our mission. To donate, visit cradio.org.au slash donate. Cradio. Knowing God's Will, a talk by Father Larry Richards. Thank you so much. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Great God of love and mercy, we thank you for your presence in our hearts and our lives. We ask you to lead us and guide us that we may know your will and live your will because it's your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. In the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about knowing God's will. I wrote a book on it called Surrender, but the, the whole point of this is to find out uh, what God wants you to do. Huh? Now, you're all university students. You've already made up your mind, right? That's so bad, though, when you have made up your mind, because sometimes God wants you to do something else. And so the purpose is of, you know, like I used to teach all boys at a Catholic high school. You know, we had anywhere from 650 to 700 boys. One year we had 666 boys. The sign of the Antichrist, six, six, six. So he threw one out the first week, get rid of that number, just so you know. But anyway, in dealing with them, they all would sit there and I'd always ask the same thing. I'd say, gentlemen, uh, what are you going to do next year? I'm going to do this, Father. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to say, I said, have you asked God what he wants you to do yet? No. Well, I said, this is your whole life. Don't you think that'd be a good thing to ask God what he wants you to do? What do you think you'd tell me? I think so. Like, well, how am I going to do that? Well, let me tell you. And that's what this whole thing, and it's why, how do you come to know and discern God's will? First of all, you got to know that God's will for you is to go to heaven. Correct? That's why you were created by God. You know, you don't have to sit there and say, why was I created? You were created to be with God forever. And to do that, you got to be a saint. Correct? You know, because a saint is someone who goes to heaven. So often I have books, and I have a book called Be a Man, which is a, a book on what it is to be a man, a book on surrender, about how to surrender your life to God. And so whenever I write, anyone asks me to sign your book, I'll sit there and say, what's your name? And they'll say, James. And I'll say, James, be a saint. God bless you, Father Larry. And then I'll hand it to you and say, or go to hell. You understand? It's like, he's not very nice. What the heck? But that's the only choice you got, people. You become a saint or you go to hell because everyone that makes it to heaven is a saint. That's what it is. But how do you get there? How do you know that what was I created for? So if, the, if the, what you were created for, again, in my time, I'm 58 years old now, so way before all of you were born, you little pagans, they had, we had the catechism of the teaching, except for you, you're older. I'm so sorry. Excuse me here. <laughs> Oh, and you got 70-year-olds, but, you know, in between there, so. But the reality is that the purpose of life, you know, used to say, who made me? What's the answer? God made me. Why did God make me? This is knowing God's will. Why did God make me? And the teaching the church is God made me to know him, to love him, and serve him in this world so I can be happy with him forever in the next. That the reason you and I were created was to know God. And that's a lot different than knowing about God. Like, again, when I was young, I, you know, I have a confession CD, and it's over 3 million throughout the world, this confession thing. And when I put it out 20 years ago when I was at the high school, they used to put, it wasn't a CD then, it was cassette tape. Anybody remember cassette tapes? Yeah, the old guys. Anyway, but the, but the rest of them got, no one even seen a cassette tape. And so it used to have on there for the... Uh, 
a confession. It was adult. I, I'm very strong on the adult things on confession. So I would sit there and I would say, on, right on the tape, it was for adults only. And so what they would sit there and say about me, the kids would say, Father Larry puts out adult tapes. It's like, and it was true, you know, you know, it's true, but it wasn't the greatest thing. But they'd always sit there and listen to my tapes and then they'd say, Father, how come you sound so nice on those tapes? What do you mean? Because they would know I'm not always a nice person. But if you listen to me for 60 minutes on a tape, you think, oh, he's a nice guy, depending on what tape you listen to or what CD you listen to. So you can know, you can know like I go to places, and like since I've been here, there have been people who have listened to all my talks. I was with one guy, his wife told me for the last three years, he listens to my talks, or my, all my homilies are online for the last 20 years, times 52. Think about that. And this guy listens to me every night before he goes to bed. Really? Oh my gosh, that's hell on earth. But so he can come to me and say, Father, I know all your stories. I know everything about you. I say, oh, you may, but you don't know me. And there's a difference, right? I was talking to the Charbel about what happens is when you sit there, like when, when, when people heard a lot about me and then they meet me, sometimes they think, huh, I don't know about this guy, because they have their own image of me. You know, a lot of times if people have never met me or never seen my picture, they always expect old me, expect me to be an old fat man who's bald. I sound like an old fat man that's bald. That's what everybody says. I go, shut up. But anyway, so they might know a lot about me, but not know me. When I taught at the high school, before I ever started taught, uh, teaching at the high school, I used to do high school uh, retreats. And so there was, I'll never forget, there was a kid that went to eight years Catholic grade school, four years Catholic high school, and I was doing a retreat for the high school, and he was a senior, the last day of his, you call it college here, so the last day of his college or high school uh, uh, growing up, and it was just done, very done, last street confession, last day, and I sit there and I say after his confession, I said, son, do you know Jesus Christ? He looked at me like, I haven't a clue, Father. He knew a lot about Jesus. He could tell me what the hypostatic union was. Jesus Christ is 100% God and 100% man at the same time. He could tell me what the Trinity is. There is one God and three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But he couldn't tell me that he knew Jesus. So that's the first question I got to ask you. Do you know Jesus Christ? Or do you know about him? You know, you're brought up this way or whatever you go and they have pizza, so you go to a talk. But do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know him like you know your best friend, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother? Do you know Jesus? Because if you don't know Jesus, you haven't even begun to live what you were created for. That's what life was about, to know God. And again, how do you fall in love with anybody? Dominic, do you remember? Have you ever fallen in love yet, son? Say yes, father. Yes. Lie to me. <laughs> so... How, what's the basic thing you got to do to fall in love with somebody, you think? To nuzzle. To what's that? Nuzzle them? To know them. <laughs> to know them. How do you get to know them? Uh, communicating. Communicate. How do you even get to communicate with them? You got to spend time with somebody, right? Is that true? Yes. Say yes. Yes, you got to spend time with somebody. So the same, you're going to be such a good priest. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. Doesn't he look good in the black and white here? See the black, the little white mark? It's going to be great. So, and then you'll come back and be chaplain and hear everybody's confession, correct? No. No? 
But it, oh, for, oh, he's going to be the chaplain. Oh, okay, you can do that. Well, it'll take you a long time to be ordained, so he'll be old by then. You know, so you can take his place. Anyway, so the way you do it is you spend time with That's the only way to fall in love with God is to spend time with him. You know, you can't sit there and say, I want to marry you. But let's say I'm going to spend, sweetheart, I will spend, I'll call you every once in a while during the week, you know, maybe before I go to bed. And it's going to be as fast as we can do it. You know, and then I'll see you once a week for about 45 minutes to an hour. But if we can get it done in 30, I'd be even happy. <laughs> right. You'll never fall in love with somebody. And sure as heck won't marry them. But that's what we want to do with God. I'll go to mass on Sunday when I feel like, it. you know, I don't have a test the next day. I'll try to pray because, you know, they told me I'll go to hell if not. But you have to be in this relationship with God. And the only way to be in relationship with anybody is to spend time with them. So you've got to spend time with God every day. And the reality is most people find prayer boring because all it is is saying a bunch of words. And if the only thing prayer is is saying a bunch of words, who wants to do it? Nobody. Prayer is being in this relationship. You know, the deepest need in everyone's heart is what? To be loved, correct? We do everything in our life for someone to love us. And that's where we're most loved is when we pray. But most people never experience it because they never shut up long enough. They never let God embrace them, hold them, be still to them. So what you need to do is have quiet time with Jesus every day. And so the way I teach people how to pray is a very simple way. Just find a place, even if you're here at school, or they, but you don't, you don't live here, right? You don't have dorms here? Okay, so you're at home. But, so you find in your room or whatever, you create a place that you meet Jesus every day. Create a place in your room. Just it could be a chair, it could be a place where you have a Bible, it could be a crucifix, a blessed mother, whatever it is. But a place where every day you walk by, that's where you meet Jesus. So it recalls you that he's always waiting for you. you could be a, like I have a classmate, he's the vicar general of the diocese. He has an easy chair there and he has a crucifix and he has a candle. And every day he does his prayer, he grabs his coffee, like good coffee. And he goes and he sits there and he drinks his coffee. He lights a candle to remind him he's now with Jesus. So you find a place like that in your room, create a place for you to encounter Christ and then do three things, huh? Tell God you're sorry, just simply. God, I'm sorry, because the first words ever out of Christ's mouth was repent. And you don't have to be so sorry, you know, because we all think about all these sins and, you know, we stay focused on ourselves and I'm no good. And, you know, I had a dirty thought or I did this or I did that or I gossiped about everybody. And we're always it's amazing how we go into God's presence and God wants to love us. And all we do is tell him how bad we are. So we don't like to pray because we feel worse, right? Because you go before the holy, holy, holy God, and we're imperfect, 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 sinful people. And so when we put this together, we think, oh, I'm not even worthy to be here, so I'm not going to go there anyway. And God says, ah, come here. Why do you come into my presence and look at you? Why do you come in my presence and look at me? Why don't you come with me and let me love you? And that's what will transform you. So the first thing you do is you just say, get it out of the way. God, I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry I hurt others. I'm sorry I hurt myself. And then move on. Then let Jesus forgive you. Let him take his hand, which is still wet with the hole. There's still an open wound there. And he takes his hand and he says, I forgive you. And he puts his hand over your head and one drop of his precious blood covers you. As soon as you say, I'm sorry, he'll always say, I forgive you. That's why he died on the cross, to take your sins. 
So we all feel guilty all the time, and the devil makes us feel guiltier. But if you come before Jesus every day and just say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Wow. Now he can transform you. Now he can do something for you. So first thing you say is, I'm sorry. The second thing you need to do, and this is where it comes to the knowing God's will part, is you got to say, I surrender. Somewhere in your life, like last night I gave a whole talk on this, and we, we ended it with a surrender prayer. But somewhere in your life, you need to surrender your life to Jesus. They just do. Like, I wear this chain on my hand to remind me I am a slave of Jesus Christ. You know, I consecrated myself to the Blessed Mother, or to Jesus through the Blessed Mother. And so you're supposed to wear some sign of spiritual slavery. So I've worn this. It's just a piece of chain I got at a hardware store to remind me I exist. I exist to do the will of God. Now, when you say yes to that, because most of you are still doing God's will, you've never asked God what he wants. And that's sad, because the way you can tell is you won't have peace. And if you don't have peace in your heart, peace, 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 it's because you're not doing God's will, or you're in mortal sin, which is, again, not doing God's will. And so the way to sit there and get to do that is when you completely say, the time you come to your life, that God, I exist to please you. I will do anything that you want me to do. Now, again, we think that if, this, if I say this to God, it's going to kill me. It is. That's the point. But you got to sit there and think this death is going to bring life. When Jesus said to the Father, your will be done, what did he do? He went to the cross. But the cross was three hours of his life. Correct? He got to spend forever in heaven. When we die to ourselves for other people in God, it'll hurt for a bit but then it'll be life-giving. Let's go back to Eve for a second. Eve, the mother of all creation, when she was confronted with the will of God, she said no. And when she said no, death came to her, to her family, and to all of us, because one woman said no to the will of God. Hmm? Then you get the new Eve, Mary. She's confronted with the will of God, and she says yes. And life comes to her, life comes to her family, and life comes to the world. When you say no to God's will, then it means you're trying to be something you weren't created to be. You bring death to yourself, death to your family, death to the world. When you say yes to God's will, I will do, because think about it, people. You were created, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, none of you existed, how about that? And we all, everybody exists, was very happy without any of us on this earth. Did you know that? Sometimes we think the world didn't exist before we did. I existed before most of you. And we had a fine time before you were born. I'm just telling you, the world didn't miss you. I'm sorry. And it's not going to miss you or me after we're dead. So God created you for a purpose. You can do anything you want. But if you do anything other than his will, you won't do what gives you peace. Because you do what you were not created for. And what you were created for is to change the world by saying yes, because that's God's will for everybody. He wants everyone to know he loves them. He wants everybody to come to his salvation. And he wants to use you to do that. And so when you surrender, I'll say, I'll do anything you do want, God. Anything you want, God. And I'll come back to that in a second. How do you find out what he wants? But so one minute, I'm sorry. One minute, I surrender. That's two minutes. Take five minutes a day. You all got five minutes, don't you? Some of you, it takes longer to take a dump in the morning, correct? It's true. 
You know the older ones takes much longer. And I'm sorry, girls don't take dumps. They go poof. But anyway, guys will take a dump. But anyway, is that true? Sure, there you go. But the reality is, what are you going to do when you stand before God on Judgment Day? And he says, how come you spent more time in the toilet than you did talking to me? What are you going to say? You got to go. You got to go. Right. But when it comes to spending time with the God of the universe, I, I just don't have time. I just don't have time for this. You do have time. If you know that that's the place you're most loved, you'll run to prayer every day. If you think it's a place that's boring, that you have to appease a God who doesn't really care about you, you'll never pray. And so you got to sit there and think of your image of God. Is God someone who loves you? Or is God someone that wants to damn you? And you got to work your way out of damnation. Huh? So one, I'm sorry. One minute I surrender. Five minutes, uh, three minutes left. You close your eyes. And John the Evangelist at the Last Supper, if you ever know, if you ever read the Gospels, John the Evangelist put his head on the chest of Jesus and he listened to his heartbeat. You got to do that every day. You close your eyes, it should be closed anyway when you've done the first two things. You just say, Jesus, hold me. And you let Jesus Christ put his arms around you. Put your head on his chest. Listen to his heartbeat. Every time his heart beats, he says, I love you. I love you. I love you. You'll be transformed. Because the deepest need in you will be met every day. And when you come to know that you're loved, that you're loved, that you're loved by God, then what will happen is that God, well, no matter what the world sends you, no matter how bad it gets, you're going to be able to handle it. Because the God of the universe, the God of the universe loves you every day. So the three things you should do, I'm sorry, I surrender, hold me. I'm sorry makes Jesus your Savior. I surrender makes Jesus your Lord. Hold me allows Jesus to be your friend. So I'm sorry, I surrender, hold me. One minute I'm sorry, one minute I surrender, three minutes, hold me. Where you don't say a word, you just listen to his heartbeat. Every time his heart beats, he says, I love you. Then at the end of that, the way you end that prayer, Jesus looks at you and says, pray with me the words that I taught you. And then with Jesus, you say the Lord's Prayer. It's the greatest thing ever. When you're holding Jesus' hands, you're in his arms, and he just says, pray with me, and you let Jesus lead. And he doesn't say it like most of the Australians that I've signed so fast. Very, very fast. Our Father, our in heaven, help me. Shut up. You say it not like the pagans do is what the Word of God says. So it means you let it echo through your being with Jesus. He says, pray with me. Our. Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you pray with Jesus his prayer. It's transforming. So every day, five minutes, I'm sorry, I surrender, hold me the Lord's prayer. And that'll get you in a relationship. And what that'll do is help you to know God. Now you live what you were created for. Now you'll start having some peace in your heart. Because most people, like someone was asking me last night, well, what do you do, Father? You know, people don't realize they're down. You know, it's a fallen world, and we go into a very secular world here in Australia, and everybody doesn't buy this sin and everything else. I said, okay, you don't have to go to that. And I said, don't start with sin. Really? Why would we start with sin with people? They're going to run from us. Start with their loneliness. 
Start with their not at peace. Because so many people are trying to whistle through the darkness. And they're petrified. They're afraid. They don't have any peace in their heart. They're trying to fill it with uh, lust. Or they're trying to fill it with money. Or they're trying to fill it with toys. And all that does is make the hole in your heart bigger. So don't start with, it's sin. We're all just sinners. That's God speak. Nobody gets that out there. They do get, I'm lonely. They do get, I'm afraid. They do get, I don't have peace. Meet them there. Because that's where God meets you. And once he starts healing you of that stuff that you struggle with, now you can be an instrument to others of healing them and bring them to him. So, but we got to get there. So you need to spend time that you know that you know Jesus. You don't know the teaching of the church. There's nothing that turns me off more than someone who knows a lot of the teaching of the church and they're trying to shove it down your throat. And I say, first of all, don't you talk to me until you love me. So keep your mouth shut because you don't even know me for you to push all your stuff down my throat. Stop it. I go, oh, uh, I'm just telling you the truth. And so you're not going to follow the truth. So you're going to hell. God, was, God created hell for people like you is what I always say. <laughs> Who think you know everything. Sorry, you don't. If you don't love me to preach truth to me is rape. Don't you dare open your mouth until you're ready to love me. Because we preach the truth in love is what St. Paul says. But now, how do you find out what God wants you to do? Ah, because that's what you all want to know, correct? Say, yes, Father. Yes. Lie to a priest, you go to hell. Anyway, so this is what you do, especially now because you're in college or university, whatever you call it down here. And so you're sitting there and most of you already have your degrees. But this is how you find out whether God, what God wants you to do. Is you put all your options on different sheets of paper. So the first one for some of you would be being a priest or being a nun. That would be one option, right? Just an option. Say yes, Father. Okay, so you have an option. Be a priest. One is to be married, or one is to be a doctor, and one is to be a lawyer, and one is to be a garbage man, or whatever it is. All the different things you might think about being. And put in each of those a different sheet of paper. One for each thing. All your options in front of you. But make sure before you do that, you say, God, I'll do anything you want. You show me what you want me to do. What did you create me for? And then he's going to give you these different options and choose the one you're already in because you're already paying money. For. You have to pay money to go to college here, university here. Okay, so you're, you're paying, doing that. Now, so those are your options. Now, at the same time, you sit there and you go and you put the good and bad of each of these things. You know, if you choose to be a doctor, what's the good of that? If you choose to be a uh, priest, what's the good of that? If you choose to get married to this girl or this girl or that guy or that guy, what's the good of that? What's the negative of that? And okay, what isn't good about this? You know, and put all the goods and all the negatives on each of your various options on different sheets of paper. And then go and sit with the Lord where you will usually play, pray or you can go to church, wherever it is. And while you're there... Think of each of the various things and pray with it. Say, God, do you want me to do this? And sit with that option for a while. If it gives you peace, keep it. If it doesn't give you peace, and let's go back to what peace is. Peace is oneness with self, oneness with God, oneness with others. It's where everything clicks. Peace. So you might have more than one thing that gives you peace. 
So that's what the sermon happens. So you deal with this. It gives you peace. Put that aside. You deal with this. It gives you anxiety. It causes you fear. It causes you something that's not right inside. It doesn't give you peace. Throw it out. It's not an option. You take another one. It gives you peace. And so then you might say, let's say if you have five things to begin with, and you're down to three. Sit with each one. And this might take you months. And you sit with each one. You want me to do this? You want me to do this? And then you don't really know. None of it's get, uh, clicking. Just say, God, I'll do anything you want. You just show me. You give me peace about something. And then it might get down to two. And then you say, God. And the best way to come to peace about these, like say, is two things. If you were to drop dead now, which of these two things do you think God would say? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's his will. And that's what you give your life to. See, but the problem with most people in this university, any university, 98.8% of people here are just saying, I think I'll do this. They spend all this money or whatever it is. They get a degree. And so many of them will never even use their degree. Correct? Because they didn't pray about it. They didn't seek God's will. They just thought this is good for now. And now they're in the midst of something. They wasted four years of their life, not pure waste, but putting all this time in something they'll never use. Because later on when they find out, I want to do God's will, all that was, eh, why? So you are in a place in your life, you're still at the beginning. Do that kind of stuff now so that you're living your whole life in peace instead of your whole life searching only and having anxiety and not having peace and being afraid and being lonely. God created you for more than that. God did not put you on this earth to be alone. He did not put you on this earth to be anxious filled. He did not put you on this earth to be full of fear. He put you on this earth as his beloved son and daughter for you to be loved to the world. For you, and that's what one of the easiest things. How are you, what of all the options you have in life is going to make you more loving? That's a great way to look at what does God want of me. Because he wants you to be loving. For me, it was to be a priest. I entered seminary at 17. I'm 58. 40 years I've been doing this stuff. And I love priesthood more today than I did. This is what I was created for. And you can tell by the fruit, huh? The fruit is how you can tell this is it. The fruit, I touch people all around the world. He can use any jackass. I fit the bill. But the reality is the fruit comes from that. Other people's lives are changed, and I get peace from everything I do. I was created by God for this, and I've given my whole life to it. You were created by God for a particular thing. That's what you got to find out now. I found out at 17, and I've been able to do this my whole life. It's a great way to do it. So find out now by seeking God's will, doing as I told you. And when you come to know that you're loved and that he'll never lead you in something that's going to hurt you because, again, it'll hurt you for a while, maybe to cross, but it'll always bring you eternal life. It'll always make you happy forever because why did God make me? God made me to know him, to love him, and serve him. So I can be happy with him forever. Too many people seek for happiness only on this earth. And you do realize it doesn't last. There's no God of the universe. Jesus said, 
In the world, you will have trouble. But be confident, because I've overcome the world. You've got to be seeking eternity and not just your time on earth. You've got to be thinking beyond this time. And when you do that, you will have peace because you live while you were created. You got it? You get it? You're gonna do it? May each you know his love today and forever. Amen. That was Father Larry Richards with Knowing God's Will. For more talks, interviews, and shows, visit cradio.org.au.